welcome to a very special episode of This Game Where with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. What makes it special? We've also got, though, two people joining us. So uh, these people are Dan and Ben of Size 5 Games. Do you want to say hello, guys? Hello. Hello. You say special, but you wait till you find out how awful we are. And then... <laughs> yeah. It can't well, be worse than We don't have episodes. to put this podcast out, is what I'm just bury it in the desert with a load of copies of E.T., you mean? Right, okay, fine. <laughs> precisely that, yeah, precisely. I've actually dug the hole already, so... <laughs> How are you two doing? Good, very good, thank you. I'm, I'd am i just like to say I'm very happy to be getting interviewed by two fellow David Mitchell sound-alikes. That's, that doesn't happen <laughs> often, I'm very pleased. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that either. No, you're uh, not. About either of us, so that's... <laughs> wow. Do you have an impression, do you have an impression actually, of David Mitchell? I do not. I just live the life. Of David okay, Mitchell, you know, so right? I, I can do I can do Sophie in his voice. I was like, <clears throat> Sophie, there you go. That very was really good. bad, wasn't it? Yeah, was that's all right. Where's yours, Thank Ben? You. Where's your oh, man. impression? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a quote now. I can't think. Um, yeah, that's why I said Sophie. Could you stop being? Oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> um, Jeremy, could you stop being so transphobic, please? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I feel like a. Uh, a wimp for not going for it but I'm still not going to do it so I watched The Favourite on Friday night and that put Sophie in a whole different light yeah The Favourite's brilliant have either of you two seen that no I have not is it it's the oh, same actress is it yeah, yeah. it's won, won quite a few Oscars she plays it's a Queen Anne oh and yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, a I, lesbian I, affair with it's one of those films I meant to watch and then and then it yeah. sort of just slipped me by because all the trailers it's, it's kind of really funny it's a, really, it's a really funny film isn't it and I thought that looks really good it, I'll watch that as a change from just watching like men in tights pretending to be superheroes for a bit you know like have a <laughs> have a week off from watching that and then and I, and I didn't I carried on watching men in tights fair enough that's okay no one's gonna hold that against you I don't think good so we are here to chat a little bit about uh, your new game or newish game because it's actually it's been out for the PC for a few months now hasn't it and it's coming tomorrow as we record to switch and xbox do you want to tell us a little bit about it? It's Layer of the Clockwork God is the name for anyone that missed me saying that. So how would you describe the game? Okay, so it's this game where one of the main characters is uh, an old school point and click adventurer with his feet stuck firmly in the past and he does everything using old LucasArts techniques. And the other guy has decided there's no money to be in adventure games anymore and he's going to be an indie darling platformer instead and jump on everyone's heads and bounce around the place. And it's a game where you play the both of them, switching between them to solve puzzles and save the world from all the apocalypses. That was too long. Oh. A, that was more than a sentence, wasn't it? No, that was brilliant. That was great. It's this, I can't believe that it, you this got this game it down where in... there's puzzles. <laughs> no. Something like that. Yeah. Puzzles and platforming. Now, I think I'm going to have to point out Dan in the game. Game Dan is a man of action. You're the platformer in the indie platformer right, yeah, darling, yeah. aren't you? And yeah. then uh, Game Ben is the man of thought. He's the uh, cerebral adventure gamer. Yes. Is that true to life? Is that the way things really shake out in, in real situations involving you two? Oh, man. Um, Go on. Yeah, Dan's, Dan's a big, stupid lunkhead. <laughs> and I'm a smart guy who, you know can put two items together definitely just, definitely just two items because <laughs> what i thought you were gonna say yeah. was that like is that true to like the kind of games we play and like the answer to that is yes because ben was always like we we both have very fond memories of like playing old lucasarts adventure games but ben was mm. like the is genuinely is the diehard like adventure game genius on that side of things and i was always much more about shooting and hiding from bullets in games 
and jumping on people's heads. So like that part is true. But like in real life, the answer is also yes, because Ben, when we when we wrote the game, when we write all the comedy stuff for it, all the comedy that's kind of low and base and devoid of intellect, I wrote. <laughs> not not okay. all of it, because Ben's capable of doing that as well. Basically, if there's any jokes in there that like mention Nietzsche or like uh, Shakespearean quotes and stuff, old clever clogs Ben did that lot because he understands that sort of thing. So, like, he ha- he's definitely the bright one, yeah. It's like okay. the, the Robert Frost balloon in Grim Fandango that you had to explain to me, didn't you, Ashley? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I did, yeah. So, does that mean you're the man of action and I'm the man of thought in our well, <laughs> combo? I, I couldn't possibly say. Jump out, a wi- jump out a window and do a backflip and find out. <laughs> man of traction, more like. Yeah, I, I'd love to see Chris do that, to be honest. If you if you do it now, for all of us, that would be ace, no? Um, what you could do is no, you could no, edit in the sound of a window smashing now, and yeah. we'll just pretend to do yeah. it, and then we'll come out. Yeah, let's go. Ooh, that was good! <laughs> wow! <laughs> you, you're overestimating my editing capabilities, to be honest. So, <laughs> and my uh, physical capabilities yeah. as well. Your phys- yeah. So the other question that I wanted to ask off the back of that one is, there are a lot of jokes at each other's expense, to the point where... I started to think during the game, are these guys actually even friends? Uh, because you're so mean <laughs> to each other during, during the game. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, so yeah, where, where's the question? What's the answer? Are, are you actually friends? Are they you are, good friends? They or? are lifelong friends. They are. And we are. <laughs> we, are and they, we are and they are. I think they've just got that like yeah. old married couple relationship where they're both able to you know pick on each other's flaws without taking offence. Mm. They, they sort of roll with the punches. They're sort of used to this. They know the other person doesn't really mean it. Yeah. It's to be fair quite a stressful situation that they're in. They find themselves in there like <laughs> you know hundreds of miles underground I don't know how far underground they are lots of miles underground with all the apo- with all the apocalypses going on above them I'd be catty I'm quite catty <laughs> to Ben like at the best of times anyway but I don't know quite how Ben puts up with me when like when he's found a bug and I just erupt into a furious fit of rage <laughs> he gets both barrels as it is and puts up with me and he still hangs around with me maybe it's I don't know. There you go. There's a there's a question hanging in the air then, Ben. How do you put up with Dan? You'd be very careful well, answering this question. <laughs> like, like Dan was saying about the fictional characters, I know that Dan's under a lot of stress when we get into the bug hunt uh, portion of the thing. And I know that, like, he will... I'll, I'll report... I'll, I'll message him on Discord or whatever and say, I found a bug where this thing happens. And he'll go like, oh, brilliant. Oh, you found another bug, did you? Oh, great. I'll just get right on that and fix that bug, shall I? Make the game better. Oh, right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and I know that he doesn't. he's not actually angry at me. He's just, like, conveying to me, like, how stressed out he is and everything. So, you know, but, like, so it's, um, it's like a... It's like a, a release valve that doesn't really upset anybody. It's, it's you know, it's fine. It's uh, hmm. it's like Dan said. We're basically like an old married couple, but with less sex. That sounds. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say wow. something really earnest there, but you just <laughs> totally undermined it. So I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> Sorry. So you're an old married couple, but with less sex, but not zero sex. Um, correct. <laughs> Getting the juicy truth. Wow. Excellent. Exclusive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so you're the adventure guy, aren't you, Ben? Yes, indeed. Yeah. What would you say is the best adventure game ever? Dare the Tentacle. Wrong. Yes. What would you say, Dan? <laughs> oh, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sound it, Max in the Road is the best. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, actually, one of ours. Shit, one of ours is the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, Ben, you missed the trick. Consoles is the best. But apart from that, uh, Sound Max I was just being gentlemanly and, you know, not including our own. Present company accepted. It's Dare the Tentacle. I mean, that's a good answer. And I would have accepted either Dan's answer or Ben's answer, to be honest, because 
the game I, I've actually played the game when it came out on PC did a bit of streaming of the game as well I really enjoyed it from start to finish it was it was phenomenal and you have done a brilliant job and that is evident in the amount of praise that the game's got it's not just me saying that so yeah are you happy with yourselves is, is really sort of <laughs> you the question yourself, that I'm leading to <laughs> yeah what <laughs> That's the question. That really is the question. Yeah, no. I, Are you happy with I all this? I genuinely am like extremely proud of it and the reception it's had. It's it's you know you put things out and you just you don't you never know whether it's going to gel with people. You never really know whether they're going to find the same things funny, whether they're going to enjoy the puzzles, whether we you know mm. we could have shot. There's quite a lot of stuff where we tried to do stuff that was kind of left field in the game. I don't want to say, say too much, but there's quite a lot of stuff that's quite out there in terms of the the design of it, and I and um, quite a lot of that stuff could have just missed the mark entirely and we misjudged it and we we sort of fucked it quite badly but like but fortunately it seems like all those all those different beats which are a lot of them all sort of landed with people and um, that is a massive relief so yeah I'm extremely proud of the, of the reception it's had actually um, I just wish that the amount of money it had made or money it has made matched it <laughs> <laughs> it would be you know it's just one of those, it's one of those things where you just think that like if a game gets that much praise you would expect the person who made it to be rich uh and that's not the case ah oh dear i thought that uh kickman might have made you your millions no uh, kickman didn't apparently kickman not, barely no. made it well kickman made it made its money back quite quickly but then immediately dropped off everyone's mm. radar it was it was weird normally there's like a tail on right. games that they just make less and less and less mm. money over the course of like three or four years but what kickman did was it just made made its budget back and then just dropped off a cliff and and, uh, and made very little uh, apart from like the occasional sale and the occasional when it gets picked up and stuff um, yeah Kingman mm. was a really weird really weird one mm. I mean it was a weird game anyway uh, but I, I think that's par for the course for your games in general I think there's always a slight eccentricity to them and actually I think that's one of the things that makes them successful if, I, if I'm allowed to say that because as much as you were unsure maybe about how everything was going to land i think that you've got quite a i i mean i'm i'm saying this as i'm an authority i was going to say you've got quite a broad appeal um in terms of comedy that you put out there is that wrong uh i don't know you know everyone humor is so incredibly subjective and you Mm. know people don't necessarily find this i the people who are you know who make millions out of being stand-up comedians and I look at them and go, that's shit. You know, I don't... And that's obviously a horrendous thing to say, but, like, you know, I see comedians and I just I just don't get it. I don't think it's funny. So, like, when you release a game like this, there's always the chance that 90% of people are going to look at it and go, no, I don't really get it. It's very steeped in sort of 90s British uh, sitcom humour. Therefore, I'm not going to play this anymore. You can't really tell. No, I, I guess not. So you say that it's steeped in 90s sitcom humour. One of the questions that we have prepared, actually, was what sort of influences did it have? Chris has not played the game. No, full, full disclosure. Yeah, he doesn't know. Ben, you can remember better than me. Well, there's, I mean, there's the obvious one of LucasArts Adventures and, mm. you know, and uh, video get like platformer games and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, uh, probably the newer indie platformers like um, Celeste and uh, Super Meat Boy and Limbo you know like relatively new but i guess um we were talking about bickering earlier and it like a big influence there for me is uh calvin and hobbs yeah or something like um not for bickering but uh bill and ted where it's just like you know it's just two guys who like each other and just kind of stumble their way through massive adventures and and everything almost happens despite them you know or regardless of them 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you know the the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost stuff as well is um, a big thing because that that they're very British and very kind of uh, very specific and very London centric, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. Of, you know, it's kind of um, there's a lot of kind of bromance stuff going on there as well as being very genre savvy and you know referential like they they do their own stuff as well so i think i think those those are big influences and there's all the stuff that we used to watch as kids where like the young ones and filthy rich and bottom and yeah, Leon, yeah. like leon herring certainly like fist of fun and to remember and just sort of sort of stuff um from a purely like comedy influence point of view i guess those are the two those are the two main things i can think of that I used to absolutely love Lee and Harry. I remember watching when I was about 10 or 11. They used to um, air This Morning with Richard Not Judy on BBC Two on a Sunday lunchtime, didn't they? And yeah. it was it was just, it was so absurd. There's a line in one of the Tumurmages where it says like, uh, uh, it's the, welcome to the show that is already being described by one called the BBC as inappropriately scheduled. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's like, sums it up perfectly. Because it was like, I mean, Kevin Eldon got away with saying twats. On, oh, um, yeah, some- yeah, uh, and it was like noon on a Sunday, and it was and it was yeah, mad. Yeah. And like, and I and I asked him about it. I can't remember what he said now because I did a voiceover session with him, and I asked him, and he he generally couldn't even remember. Wow. Doing it. And I was like, did did like did like Stu and Rich know you were going to say twats, or was that just something you did live on BBC Two? And he went, I can't, I can't remember. It was just you know, like one of those one of those questions that's like bugged you your entire life, and then finally you're in front of the person who yeah. answer it, and they and they neither know nor care doesn't even register <laughs> Richard Harry used to do those things where I used to say like things like um, oh I love, I love all flies I love green flies horse flies testy flies of course they're all testy flies by the time <laughs> I finish with them and like on, yeah. you know the fact that I was going out at midday on it oh it's crazy I used to be absolutely yeah. obsessed with that program just, like, where they're doing the listings sorry this is getting really really like just fanboys now I was wondering when they're doing no, listings I'm and I can't even remember what the thing is because I I'm like desperately innocent but there was one where someone got a Spanish fly in a jar and they were going, come and see the Spanish fly. There's a Spanish fly. And I can't even remember what it's slang for now. Ben will know because he's filthy. But like Spanish fly is like <laughs> dirty sex talk. Isn't that, um, isn't that uh, rape rape drugs? Isn't it? Like, didn't Bill Cosby do a, oh, an God, album or something know. about Spanish fly? I, know, I thought it was funny. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got dark very, very mode. But talking about that, like um, when when I'm writing the dialogue or when I'm playing the game back and testing it and stuff, I do in my head half of it plays out in a Rick Mail voice and half of it plays <laughs> out in Stuart Lee Richard Herring voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we definitely absorbed their, you know, their character sensibilities. Voices. Yeah, it's a it's a something Spanish fly is something purported to arouse those who ingest it. That's all I can find. Wow. So it's not even a thing. Yeah, that's. I think. Yeah, I think literally it's like a old wives' tale about it being an aphrodisiac, and um, euphemistically, it's uh, roofies. Oh, wow. Oh man. I believe, which is why now everyone looks back at Cosby and goes, well, "Duh." <laughs> wow, that's a lot darker than I thought it was. I thought it was something funny, but, but it's not. I know. Yeah, and that's now in the podcast. So uh, there oh, we go. <laughs> Snip, oh well. snip, snip, snip. <laughs> yeah, snip, snippy, snip. <laughs> now I'll probably keep it. Yeah. So you you picked. You said there, Ben, about you your writing process and how you hear it. I remember seeing that you went off to a log cabin or something together for the writing. 
to hammer out the yeah. script. So yeah, how was that? Why was that? Was that just an excuse or? <laughs> it was great fun. Um, it was really satisfying. And um, also I, I love that Dan always refers to it as log cabin because, you know, literally it was not a log cabin. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't travel to Canada or anything like that. The it, nearest it, descriptive. Um, it's the nearest descriptive <laughs> yeah, close to what it was. It was, it was a house made yeah, of wood. Yeah. <laughs> in a large expanse of green i think log cabin just about fits it it wasn't made of literal logs yeah there's there's no better term to describe it it's put like you know um but i just i love the i love the imagery that we were you know we're shooting bears and you know in the evenings <laughs> it was really good fun and really satisfying but also it was because we had that, that was that was all for writing the dialogue basically we, we did a little yeah. bit of extra puzzle designing but you can't really it, it wouldn't have worked as well over email like if we mm-hmm. divvied it up and said you do this room you do that room and then we'll pass them back and forward and every time we've got a little question or something we'll email each other and wait for it and blah 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 and it just would not have um it would not have flowed as well and you know there are a lot of little little moments where you where one of us would ask the other one what's a good word for this or what's a good joke here and then we'd riff for a minute and we'd get a really good joke so you know it was it was the perfect decision for for writing the dialogue definitely basically this was like after so when we were writing it this is purely for the dialogue so that all the puzzles were in the layout was in mm-hmm. you know the even like the main so there's all the story beats were in right we knew where the story beats were but Ben lives up in where were you living at the time? You were living in Newcastle at the time, and I'm down in Dorset. Um, so it just wouldn't have worked writing it. We needed mm. to be in the same kind of room to write it. We were in the same kind of room, eighty percent of the time, deathly silent, just typing on keyboards. But we were in the same room. We had this little place that we could just sit and drink and eat and have a nice time. It was relaxed. There weren't kids running up and down the stairs interrupting. There was no yeah. internet to speak of. We were just sort of relatively in the moment of just typing. Because there's a lot of dialogue. Was it like 40,000 lines or something? I can't remember. It was mm. something horrendous. It was 40,000 yeah. words. I can't remember. But it was, there's a lot going on. Mm. We were under a lot of pressure to get it done. And it, well, we were there for a week. It was like slightly shy of a week. And we just typed yeah. and typed and typed, and we had a lovely time. And we had a we had a hot tub, and we sat. We'd like basically stopped. I need to stop typing. I'm 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 done for a bit. Should we go and sit in the hot tub? And we go and sit in the hot tub and talk some of the design stuff that needed talking about because not all the puzzles were working quite as well as they could. And there was a couple of places where like this puzzle, this this area needs bolstering with some more puzzles and stuff. So we sit in the hot tub for a while, and we'd have a little bit of chat and another another can of beer and then pop out and dry off and get back to typing and it worked really well and i would do it again in a heartbeat it sounds like bullshit but ben and i got i i always say we got like a, a month's work done in that week but i think it's probably more i think we got like yeah. i think we got like six to eight weeks worth of if we'd have been if we'd been apart it would have taken us three months and the work quality of the work would have been half as good so it was <laughs> definitely worth doing and i do it again for like design stuff even for just not necessarily dialogue i would book a long weekend and sit and um chew ideas out uh, in in isolation works incredibly well. yeah i can well believe that you got that much work done to be honest it's like the hot housing idea isn't it you just get people in a room and it intensifies the situation and yeah. lets you do your best stuff really really quickly and it doesn't surprise me to hear that actually it's what alex horn does for taskmaster he just sits in his yeah. jacuzzi and just thinks of tasks because huh. uh, <laughs> like you said he has no no distractions or anything i'll say, I'll say as well like of all the stuff in game development, the writing and the and the thinking of jokes and stuff, we find that very easy. It's the easiest part, you know, easier than code and effects and all the art and all the putting music and all that sort of stuff in. The easiest bit of the game for us to do, the most enjoyable bit, 
was to write mm, it. Yeah. It was it was like um, after months and months and months of really really hard slog, it was really enjoyable to sit there and type it, and we were really enthusiastic about typing because I've you know been saving this moment up for like two and a half years, where it's like a, a cork coming off a champagne bottle, where it's suddenly just like. There's a, there's a much ruder euphemism I could have used for that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. But like, like all this pent yeah, no, up aggression suddenly released in a shower of... And it was like, yeah. No Spanish flower. Oh, I was scared what you were going to say there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd do it again in a heartbeat over for the tiniest thing. <laughs> ben, I need to I need to decide what uh, colour the floor should be in my next game. Quick, let's go to a log cabin and sit in a hot tub and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually just finished reading this might be of interest to you Ben if you've not heard of it and um, the Bitmap books uh, History of Point and Click it's this huge like 500 page coffee table book and it goes through the history of Point and Click games and with loads of the key developers and all the key games it's interesting seeing how different games how they approached it whether they did script first or the art first and it sounds like you did actual game design first and then mapped it out from there yeah oh, that's that's cool i haven't heard it I, I i don't think i have heard of that one what was it bitmap books bitmap books they do big uh, cocktail books there's one about the history of the mm-hmm. nares and the snares the master system but i got this it was recommended by friends this history of point and click and it goes through, it's, it's a fantastic but so really now, interesting bet we're not in it i bet it gets to like um, i bet it sails right past ben there down that and time gentlemen please 2009 as if as if it didn't happen and wasn't important. And I'm telling you now, those games yeah. were important, but like everyone just yeah. dropped them like a hot rock and forgot about them in like within about three months. But for a I time, can confirm it'll go, sadly that they're yeah, not in there. It'll go Grim Fandango, Telltale, Dave Gilbert, End. That'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> Infuriating. But we were the first. Were we, the first that, we were certainly the first adventure game studio game on Steam, weren't we? I don't know if we were the one first, of the first indie but... set of indie games on Steam. No one got yeah. on. No one got on Steam in two thousand and nine. Told the story the other day, but like I know someone who flew to Seattle and waited outside a coffee shop for someone from Valve to go in to corner them to see if they could get it their game on Steam. Wow, grief! You know, so like I managed. You know, getting a game on Steam in those days was was not an easy job. Uh, Time gentleman, please. And Time gentleman, please was good enough to be up there. At the wow. risk of asking you a question that you maybe find difficult to answer, how did you do it then? How did how did that happen? Uh, I spent, and this is. I spent, I, I, I think it was like half a day, I probably extended it over time to a day, but I spent like half a day crafting an email that very quickly got to the point that like, uh, we'd, we'd had, like Wired had called it a masterpiece and Eurogamer had given it a great review, they'd given it a 9 out of 10 and there was one other, one other important publication, I can't remember what it was, but I crafted like a two-line attention-grabbing email, got a contact begged for a Valve contact because you couldn't get, get like someone's email address in those days yeah. so I had to find an email address for someone at Valve and I, and I sent it off and like and it was really weird because just this email came back saying yeah alright <laughs> and I was like I was wow. expecting like a whole big thing you know like mm. uh, lawyers to be involved and like all sorts of stuff but this was back in the day mm. where like like now if you upload a game to Steam you've got to upload, upload like 100,000 assets of like capsules that are the right size and fill in endless endless forms and back end pages and stuff but time judgment please was on steam early enough that all i did was send them the game files and and they did literally everything else so it was before yeah. the like great democratization of steam before that mm-hmm. ever happened Th- this yeah. was back when that guy from uh, Bullfrog or Lionhead or whatever it was did that kung fu game wasn't it that quop style right. kung fu game and just oh, yes. it just yeah. got on Steam and that was like you know 
that that made big news because it was like oh the, like it was like a fun little story about how this weird little game had made it onto uh, Valve's service just because like you know because they were great shows showbiz mates yeah um and so yeah oh. back then a game getting on Steam that wasn't a Valve game was like you'd see it in the newspapers of all the different publications yeah. so. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, I remember writing on the website that getting on Steam felt like a badge of honour, and it did, mm. and it really mm. did feel like, yeah. like mm-hmm. it was re- it was a reserved spot for, and you know, I remember watching the the first, I think it was like Christmas sale, my brother watching the sales coming in that first Christmas that Time Gentleman mm. Please was on sale, and like, and trying to buy shares in my company because he was seeing how much money it was making every hour. Yeah. It was it was just a, it was a really weird amazing time but yeah but I bet your little book would have skipped right over that wouldn't they no one asked me for an interview I'm going to go check bear with me not that Charles Cecil has ever thanked me publicly for reviving his career because remember up until 2008-2009 no one was playing adventure games and then Ben there down that and Time Gentle Please came out and everyone was like oh actually these are quite good Charles Cecil Hmm. suddenly making broken sword games again and I think we can all agree that that wouldn't have happened and I and I know Charles Cecil feels exactly the same way. He just he just refuses to say it in public. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, you're starting to make me feel guilty because we've talked about the renaissance of adventure games, and we we haven't mm. actually mentioned Time Gentlemen. Um, Unbelievable! Uh, <laughs> so I believe it. Hopefully, this is <laughs> hopefully this is redressing the balance. So 2009, we've got Ghost Pirates of Fuji Island. What? The what even is that? Island. That's the Bill Tiller one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bill Tiller. Special edition of Secret Monkey Island, Machinarium, and then an interview with the Machinarium, Machinarium, and then Tales of Monkey Island Chapter One, launch of the streaming novel, See? Uh, The Whispered World, and then that's mm. it. Goes straight to 2010. You know I think it's a, I think it's a conspiracy uh. by by Big Adventure. <laughs> should we start sending them nasty emails and get you? Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe you should write bitmap books an email and see if you can. Uh, maybe they'll do a book. Well, on... get them to slide an extra page in. <laughs> print an extra page in print out an extra page books. and send it to all the, everyone who's bought a copy and say sorry we missed yeah. this out here's yeah, a little tube of glue stick it in yourself you know bitmap books bitmap books can slide an extra page right up their arse <laughs> Chris will you they just take, where's your take copy some Spanish just, fly. have you got your copy there in front of you yeah just have you got your copy right there in front of you burn it burn it now <laughs> I want to see you holding up I want to see lighter fluid on it I want it burnt on that note um, after you mentioned the emails about me being a teacher so yesterday I found this this store cupboard full of kids books of kids that left school about like six years ago so I got a burn bin to burn them not as easy as it looks yeah no I've um, this is going to sound bad oh. but I've, I've tried to burn books in the past and um <laughs> yeah that sounds and it, bad. not easy is it <laughs> No, I was there for two hours feeding books in, and then I thought I'll stop this room, storage, I'll leave it. So I put the lid on, left it, um, smouldering. I said, "Oh yeah, we'll go and out." You just come back to a load of brown books. I came in this morning; it was still smouldering. So I yeah. took the bin out to empty it, and then the fire went and kicked off again. So then parents were due in in ten minutes. Now I'm there on the playground, scrubbing ash off the playground, throwing water at it to try and put this fire out. It wasn't a good start to the day. We, uh, my wife's teacher. I, d- I don't know what it says about you two and your. Um, skills skills at adventuring that you couldn't figure out how to set fire to some paper. I mean, I know. it's because it's so densely glass, packed. Surely, like basically, yeah. my wife. Yeah. My wife is a teacher, and when we left our flat in London, she she had this massive stack of papers, and we had this really rubbish. Uh, what are they called? Shredder. Thing. What are they called? Yeah. 
headmaster shredder thing, right? <laughs> this really oh. rubbish shredder that could only take like three pages at a time or a clock yeah. up. So I was like, I'll just take it all downstairs and I'll stick it on the barbecue and just burn it, right? Because that's all we had access to because it was only a flat. It's not like we had like a guard, but I had this little patio bit and a barbecue. So I was like, I'll do that. And what happens when you set fire to a load of paper on a barbecue is that all the bits of paper like burn down the middle and then fly off. All the important documents with like, you know, kids' information on it and stuff just get suddenly yeah. scattered into the winds and they just like get lifted up by the heat and they fly <laughs> off. And then you go, so you put a lid on it and then you come back to it like an hour later and you've just got loads of brown bits of paper that are exactly like smoked rather than actually yeah. having caught fire. So I, I mean, they found like, paper, yeah, to putting, be honest. Putting yeah. the lid on it, that's what you've both done wrong there, isn't it? Or if that... you don't do that, it all flies off. Yeah. So what? Well, because it's, it's, anyway. it's got important it information. I just have what? like... They're kind of like photos of 14-year-olds just flying off yeah, exactly. across London. The whole reason oh, they're burning them is because it's sensitive. So. GDPR. <laughs> put, a cage it over it. Away. Put, put a cage over it. It's easy. Come on. Find oh, a yeah, bird cage. Right. Use a bird cage with fire. If only you've been there. See, this You've is why he's the smart one. paper is, Ben. <laughs> you're aware, like... <laughs> wow. um, can I tell my story about when I burnt a book? Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, so this I didn't... is not the podcast I thought it was be, but go for it. <laughs> it's it's this game where you burn books because you don't <laughs> like what is written. No, um, it was actually just one page of a book. Um, it was, I believe, it was called Adventures in Screenwriting by William Goldman, who is a well-known screenwriter mm. and he writes books about screenwriting and he wrote he wrote princess bride he wrote the novel and then mm. he wrote the screenplay based on that novel so he'd written this book about screenwriting and just all the way through it he was really dismissive of directors like he just referred to them as you know kind of talentless workhorses and this really pissed me off as a just as a film fan like just the snooty attitude really pissed me off and halfway through he decides to really stick the knife in by doing a chapter on directors and it's one it's a one sentence chapter and it says some of my best friends are directors that's it it's like so his point is that like there's just nothing worth saying about them you know you may as well be talking about the caterers or something and it pissed me off so much i was talking to my i was ranting about it to a friend of mine and he said well what just rip it out and burn it i was like i will i bloody will so i ripped it out and i burnt it and you did a good job of it as well and it it burnt really easily i didn't put a lid on it you know it, it, it didn't fly off and it didn't infect anyone with its you know filthy anti-director propaganda like by blowing into their face or anything like that it just it burnt up like a like a pig but i know your i know your podcast is not about times that people got angry at paper but one time i threw a copy of the um daily mirror tv guide at the wall quite hard because i was looking at what com- what was coming up on telly this was back in the Is old days to look up what was coming on telly <laughs> and it said and it said coming up at like 10 o'clock predator 2 and then you get a little description of what the what the film was and it said predator 2 and underneath i remember it exactly it said superior urban sequel and i, I was just <laughs> and i was just incandescent with rage and i threw the paper at the wall imagine <laughs> saying that justified <laughs> I might. Whoa, Chris, come on. <laughs> well, Wait, come. justified to throw against the wall, you mean? Yeah, definitely. Young, yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I mean, have, have you <laughs> oh, seen? I, have you I, seen I, the? Okay. Is it the Predators? The the new or the Predator? The one that came out a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah, uh, I can't even remember. Yeah, the the Predator is the new one that was dreadful. Oh, it was. Predators was pretty bad. Oh, the all bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's been a good one since the first two. This is a if podcast you, about our game. Or is it a podcast about like burning books and the Predators. 
Yeah, well, it, we, we tried our best, valid. but, you know, you keep going down the wrong path, so <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> I, I actually was going to segue back, um, Go purely by yeah. chance. But It'll save me having to do it. The thing that Dan's, just, the story that Dan just told, that, that wonderful anecdote about Superior Urban Sequel, he, he relayed that to me, and that's been like a running joke between us since I'm pretty sure we have, we have, managed to fit that phrase in, into one of the games Excellent. at least superior urban sequel must be in there because we'll do that remember. stuff just to um just to make just to make the other one laugh when they're reading through it to check for spelling mistakes or whatever we'll just do, <laughs> put a little in joke in there yeah the only superior urban sequel that i can think of is maybe sonic 2 <laughs> I think. it's quite a niche was that more urban than a- the first urban one? sequel yeah i think so yeah green hill zone is the first one isn't it and then so yeah, in the Emerald second Hill one, you've got Zone. Chemical Zone, Zone which is, Zone I suppose that's more industrial, Zone, isn't so it? Yeah. Excellent. And, and I got Metropolis was in Sonic 2 as well. I was worried I was going to have to argue that as well. Great. Now I've got to write, I'm going to have to write down, think of superior urban sequels, because I bet there are some good ones. Well, if you call, if you think of Hadley's Hope as a city, that's that makes Aliens a superior urban sequel, doesn't it? It's more urban than a spaceship. But is it superior? I. I no, it's not superior, uh, is no, it? No, it's equal. You're right. You're right. That's yep. You're absolutely correct. I think yeah. You're being generous, but let's not go. <laughs> I know. I don't want to argue with our guests. <laughs> um. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having us. Yes, it's thank very you. Nice. I'm sorry that we didn't talk about. Sorry, our game we didn't talk about <laughs> stupid stuff. We just instead. talked about burning books. That's fine. Sorry about that. <laughs> go and put that as the headline. Put Dan and Ben join us to discuss burning books. And it might well be that. Yeah. Predator two. <laughs> There's your attention-grabbing headline. Dan and Ben did what? Find out what made Dan Marshall so angry he threw a copy of the Daily Mirror at a wall once. <laughs> yeah, that is almost... I'm going to steal that for our blurb. Do it. Before you go, Dan and Ben, uh, Mario or Sonic? Sonic. Lies. Mario is a big Sonic. Twat. I don't like Mario. Mario's <laughs> games are rubbish. Uh, they're, they're made for oh, no. three-year-olds, and they're all like... Eh, eh, eh. If you're any Mario character talking is the most... <laughs> Uh, embarrassing dialogue for toddlers you've ever read in your entire life and I don't understand how grown-ups drink it and I understand playing the game for the game I get that Mario Galaxy is a good game that's fine but like the actual like layer on top of it of dialogue is just embarrassing and like preschool level stuff at least Sonic like Sonic is bad but at least Sonic Mania was good Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 were good so Mm. And Sonic you know, never talks. Nothing about so, nothing about know. the Mario games particularly. I've heard so Sonic fine, talk, and he sounds like an idiot. Fair. That is not the right answer, but we'll let you go. <laughs> it's a long-running battle between the two of us to which one's best. It is, yeah. I'm ashamed of you now. I'm going to disown you, um, all, all of you. But next time you next Sonic time you fans. play a Mario game, you're going to stop after 20 minutes. You're going to pause it. You're going to put the controller down. A tear is going to roll down your eyes, and you're going to go, <laughs> "Oh fuck, he's right. This is this is right. embarrassing." <laughs> Like, Quite do what? Why don't you print out some? Pr- print out any piece of Mario dialogue. Just get like a page of A4 of Mario dialogue. Print it out. Give it to your mum. Tell her what level she thinks that's aimed at, and whether it's all right for you as a grown-up to be to be reading that and thinking that's good. And she'll be embarrassed. And the look on your face, Ashley. I know and you, you know, know what I'm will right. happen when you do that. <laughs> she'll burn it. She'll burn it. Your mum is just going to read she'll that try. and instantly burn it. She'll try, but it won't burn, and it'll fly off into the It won't burn, no. And then someone, someone like three miles over, will suddenly get this bit of paper landing on there, a half-burnt bit of paper with this crappy dialogue in it, and they go, "What the fuck is this? Why is why is why is it raining?" Be an indie CBBS game designer. Show scripts from the sky. Right. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Ben and Dan. Yes, thank you very much. I'm sorry it has to end this way, but we do wish you well for the I game. I enjoyed it, but I feel quite wound up now. I... <laughs> so do I. I'm going to fight somebody. Um, yeah, the game comes out on the 4th, but it will be the 11th when this goes out. So it will be available for everybody to buy. Um, and please do go and grab it. We're going to go play it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. Ben and Dan, you can do whatever the hell you like. Burn a few books. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you very I'm much. Go and play Mario, I think. I <laughs> Thank Mario. you too. Me too. Bye. Me too, Ben. You're the right one in the group. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. with you and dan and ben are well out of the picture gone to do whatever it is they do making games and stuff i guess <laughs> sitting in hot tubs it sounded like too right sitting in hot tubs uh, laughing at each other's jokes in a log cabin in a log cabin yeah, yeah. you've played the game now chris you you were the only one at uh, during the first half that hadn't played it and now you've got an insight into what yeah, it's a little bit awkward hey guys um, i'm here to talk about your game um haven't played it so did you th- did you think it was awkward? I thought it was no, fine. No, not at all. I felt a little, yeah. you know, like a bit silly, but it's fine. I usually do. Well, the whole uh, we kind of did this on purpose, didn't we? We withheld the game from you to maintain that slight vibe of this game, where as it usually is. Where, yeah, I think so. You know, we we couldn't keep things secret about it. I couldn't I couldn't keep it secret that we were having Ben and Dan on, so we had to cling to what we had, this and that was true. not letting you play the game. So. But I've played it now. I played it for five, you have played it now. What five did you think? hours today. And I Five re- hours? Yeah. In one blooming sitting. Yeah. Right, does that mean that your child hasn't been fed today? Oh no, she was out gallivanting. Oh, okay. With Gallivanting? Yeah, with another parent. Like not by herself. Oh, with her other parent. Yeah. Oh right, okay. Well when you say with another parent, it oh. sounds like you've given her to some random parent in the street. Well, yeah, can you take this with you? I've got a game to play. No, not yeah. quite. Yeah, um, that's all right. Yeah, I played five hours and it was great. Yeah, it really is. And where did you get to in the five hours? So I got to. Oh, I'm trying to think what bit what to say, not for spoilers. Let's just put it out there. We're going to do our best not to spoil the game yeah. in any great way. But if you are adamant that you want to go into this game with without knowing a single thing beyond what you heard in the first half, then. Maybe come back and listen to this after you're a decent way in. Or skip um, forward about 10 minutes or something so that we've got past the spoilery type stuff. Well, I don't know if we will. What if we drop? Well, I, I'd say it's safer for you if you go away and come back after. Yeah, all right. That's your spoiler warning. All right. Now, Chris, where did you get to? You get to an area that's like a, a hub area where you've got this character as a computer that sends you off to go to different areas that represent different emotions. So the yep. first area is joy. Yep. And then the second area was fear. And then the third area was feeling old. And I got to the feeling old area, which is where Ben and Dan are trying to get into a nightclub. And that was the point yeah. at which I uh, I stopped playing. Not because I you know didn't like it or anything. I will definitely come back to it. I just played it for quite a long time at that point. So Yeah. And your whole house was hungry and yeah. you needed to provide. I did, yeah. I need to go be the hunter. Fair enough. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. So you've just outlined actually that it, it's sort of a segmented game dealing yes, with is, different yeah. emotions in each game. Did you have a favourite area of the game, a favourite section? Mm. Out of the two that I played, I actually really enjoyed both of them. The fear mm. area I thought was very atmospheric. It was like alien, isn't it? Like on an abandoned spaceship with ghosts and these big monster spider things. It reminds me of an episode of Doctor Who. I think because Doctor yeah. Who has done quite a lot of those kind of spaceship vibe type episodes, but it was very well done. Consider it's a yeah. 2D scrolling game. Yeah, I really thought so too. That I think that fear was one of one of my favourite uh, sections. It wasn't my favourite. I'll tell you that my favourite was grief, but that comes after you. Okay. After the point that you got to, and I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling it. Yeah, so maybe don't. We have given a spoiler warning, but we go. We don't really want to go into too many details but it does involve i I, I don't want to spoil no it does involve lighting a fart let's say that and the details be around lighting the fart aren't even as straightforward as you know normal lighting of farts is so yeah i mean that brings us nicely into the the humor of the game doesn't it yeah because the game is consistently very funny and i know there's lots of games that and i think we talked about this before actually on on a an earlier episode about how games trying to be funny i think it was what the golf wasn't it where i said about yeah Games trying to be funny, whereas this is even from the start. So, um, at the start of the game, it brings up all these uh, logos of companies that have you know, like at the start of a film where it brings up, mm. you know, it was which is a really good joke in Family Guy that me and my wife still talk about when we start watching films. So, there's a there was a bit where I think it was Peter and Brian went to a cinema and they, they said, I said, Oh, you've got to sit through these these things at the start, you're not sure if it's part of the film or or the company that's made it and it's had this whole montage of like uh, a plane lands and it says like landing plane productions and then there's a man getting out of a taxi it says like man getting out of a taxi uh, systems or what have you Mm. you know we still talk about that whenever a film starts oh is this the film or not and this game started off with um, quite a few of these and I must have sat through about 20 of them before I realised oh yeah this is actually a joke isn't it I think it was the one that came up with it was called procedurally generated company name with a ridiculous (laughs) logo that was the point at which I realised yeah this is a joke yeah <laughs> i i think i missed that the first time did you I, oh yeah it's well worth going back to because some of the names yeah. are pretty funny i've seen people talking about it and i was like what have i missed there in my defense i was streaming at the time that's fair and it was this is the first game that i streamed live mm. and i was quite nervous about that so i think I, I was a little bit preoccupied i don't think you'll have watched it uh my stream of this game will you i did into it a little bit when I joined it at one point, it was actually part of the game I played earlier. And when I played through it, I thought, oh, I remember this with the, when I watched Ashley playing it. You won't have, If you weren't watching it at length, you won't have realised necessarily that I uh, set everything up like a, you know, like a proper stream. It, it looked all all right. And then spent Did you have cool hair next... like a YouTube streamer? No, no, oh, I didn't have any hair. Uh, the next several hours, I just sat in silence. So there was, there was the game... <laughs> There was the game taking up most of the screen. And then on the right-hand side of the game, there was like a real cool layer of the Clockwork God logo that uh, Dan Dan had done, or whoever had done the art, we should have asked. And I'd laid it out so that our Facebook page was at at the bottom and all sorts. And then there was me in the top right-hand corner in close to darkness with the crappiest light on my face, illuminated just by like this little incandescent light, looking probably quite miserable and (laughs) not saying a word. Well, so <laughs> sounds like I, I missed a treat. <laughs> you did, you did. I kept, I kept it on our YouTube 
channel for quite a long time before I decided that it probably wasn't doing the game any favours because <laughs> people would get on it and they'd see my miserable mug and probably turn off straight away. So I'm going to re-record it and put it up. So mm. at some point in the future, there will be a full playthrough of the game on our YouTube channel. Can I just mention a couple of bits that made me laugh in particular? Go for it, yeah. Okay, so... When you start playing the game, it comes up with a message about how uh, when you see this logo, the game is saving. So please don't suddenly turn off the power, which made me laugh because many times when I've played games and it comes with that message, you know, please don't turn the console off when you see this logo. Like who who sees that logo and decides to turn it off at that point? Anyway, so I found that funny. Um, in the options, every sort of option you could tinker out with, it came with a little description for it. And one of them was ambience volume. Volume of the imperceptible background droning stuff, which, uh, yeah. And then the final one I want to mention is in the first level, which is the jungle. Uh, ben, I think it was, said, why are all these platforms and buttons in the jungle? And it's, it's things like that where the game is very self-aware. Mm. I really liked because it, was, it wasn't it was just a couple of jokes. It was continuous throughout the game. It was, you know, oh, we're doing this because it's a game. And in fact, that becomes the main crux of the game, doesn't it? When you get to the platforming yep. adventure sections, which for me was where the game got really, really strong. So when you get to the hub area that I've already mentioned, the levels become these sections where Ben and Dan are sometimes separated, sometimes not. But they've got completely separate sections where... Ben's is the adventure part of it, and then Dan's is yeah. the pure platforming part of it. The very first one, the very first level that, that happens in uh, Dan's platform is completely inspired by Sonic, even down to like, the level design, the the structure. And then it has this... Unsurprisingly, having spoken to him. <laughs> yeah. And then it has this random beer that it says is, is sponsored, sponsoring the level. And one of them said, oh, that's uh, like a proper early 90s platform. And did you get what that was a reference to? No, I don't think so. So it was um, Zool, which was a... Oh! Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I've got it upstairs. I don't know why I bought it. I got it for about £2 off eBay. Oh, I got it for a, a few quid from a car boot sale, sort of in the in the late 90s yeah. for a Mega Drive. So it hasn't, you... hasn't appreciated in value? No, apparently not. Do you remember what the sponsorship was with that game? I want to say... No, I don't. I, I want to say... Chupa Chops. You're correct. Is it Chupa Chops? Yeah, it yes. is. But it's like <laughs> that was dredged out of my brain. So it's, deeply. it's everywhere in the first level, at least. Like, yes, everywhere yeah. is, is Chupa Chops. And even now, when I see Chupa Chops, I think of Zool. So it's worked on some level, but it's not the, uh, the fact that I'm going out of my way to get Chupa Chops. But if I see a Chupa Chops lolly, I think of Zool. Mm. Just on some yeah. subconscious there, level. There was there were too many crappy platformers like that, weren't there, in the nineties? Oh, there was that Mick and Mac McDonald's one. Mick and Mac, yeah, and yeah. there was a cool spot. Was it cool spot? Yeah, yeah. Was, was that the? Seven uh, up. Was it Seven Up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two games. Yeah, did they? Yeah, the the first one was oh, a generic yeah. platform, and then the second one was uh, like a isometric one, and each level was was based on a different film. Apparently, it was very good. I, I wouldn't mind giving right. that one a go, actually. Hmm. Okay, well, set myself up for that one then, haven't I? We'll see. So the character of Dan in the game, he makes a choice, a conscious choice, to err away from adventure games, from mm -hmm. the point-and-click genre, whilst Ben clings on to the classic style. And it's and, even down to their character design, isn't it, that Ben is the yeah. one who does the adventure stuff because he's got um, hands that, that can hold things, whereas Dan's yes. hands are too big and chunky, so he can't do the adventure <laughs> stuff. I quite like that as well. Dan's choice in the game, it sounds like quite a cynical decision being made. And I can't help but... I find it very difficult sometimes divorcing because i know that ben and dan exist as real people i sometimes find it difficult divorcing the real person from the from the game mm -hmm. character and so i'd made an unconscious judgment that maybe dan 
was a bit sniffy about all these new, you know, like the new fad, if you like, for indie platformers like Ori in the Blind Forest and Celeste and that sort of thing. But at the same time, when you play this game and you play particularly the platforming sections, one, the platforming sections are done really, really well. Yeah, they are. they're, They're really solid platforming homages a lot of the time and and it it does feel precisely like that it feels like a homage it doesn't feel like this game is ripping the piss out of out of platformers or the indie dev platforming scene whatever you want to call it it feels like a game born out of like a quite a deep enjoyment i was gonna say love but it sounded a bit i was gonna say love it's it's love and and knowledge of the genre so i realized yeah each platforming section while platforming was different and was using gimmicks that are part of the genre nowadays. So there's a section where there's low gravity. There's a section where the gravity flips to the left. So you're going mm. on the side of platforms. There's a section where there's a little drone following you that casts a pool of light. And if you if you go out of that pool of light, a bit like yeah. um, Limbo, it, it's things mm. like that, all those references, which I think are that. They're, they're references because they're born out of a... Like you say, a love for the genre. Yeah, and and you said a deep un. I, I can't remember how you worded it. It was only a minute ago, but <laughs> like a really deep understanding of the genre as well. Yeah. Several times when I was playing it, certainly towards the end, it started to occur to me that this game serves also as as a bit of a like a history lesson, and I mean that in the best sense of of platforming games. Just on that note as well, actually, in the joy section, Ben's adventuring element is about this area where platform characters go in their afterlife and there's three characters that he speaks to one of which is a generic 3d mascot that's an animal that's obviously a reference to crash bandicoot spyro etc one of them is a girl who has a paintbrush that changes color depending on her mood yeah which i think sounds like a pretty good idea for a platform anyway which i think is the point of it that actually it sounds a bit gimmicky and stupid when you start to think about it actually that sounds pretty good. And then the third one was a generic Mario-type mascot. But again, mm. even that, the fact that they're thinking about these characters really carefully and thinking, yeah. how are they referencing different points in the platforming history? I, I, I really think they know their stuff. Oh, yeah. it's No doubt do they know uh, that they know their stuff. It's just how, how well they've implemented that into mm. the game that, I'm, that I appreciate. And having grown up with these games as well and seen those changes take place, yeah. it felt quite masterful to see them to see the narrative told of those games games that i've really enjoyed throughout my time playing games yeah definitely i I mean i was going to say to stand about in the in the first half and i didn't get around to it but this game feels like it's tailor-made for me because adventure games and platform games people might have picked up on by now are kind of our bread and butter aren't they they're our go-to genres and this game does both those genres so well yeah i i had a real strong inkling that one that i was going to enjoy the game but also two that you would get really stuck into it mm. and, and enjoy it immensely so i'm glad to find I'm, I'm glad to find out that that's actually what's happened yeah definitely yeah i i really enjoyed it it was it was Good. great yeah, before we wrap up, the last thing I wanted to mention was the Britishness of the game. Yeah. Just the, the sense of it, the the humour, the ambience, the even just the, the background, the, the way it had been drawn, like the, the bit in London where it's this apocalyptic version of London. There's mm. you know, little things in the background. The bit that made me particularly laugh was there was a character in the fear section who kept bugging Ben. Spoiler, a ghost. And initially when it appeared, Ben was really scared of it. And then by about the, the fifth time it appeared, Ben said, oh, give over. And that really yeah. made me laugh just because yeah. the 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 just the Britishness of that phrase 
like oh you know, yeah it was great i've had a moment as well where i was thinking about how it's really quite british that you are two bumbling mm-hmm. characters trying to teach a, a computer how to feel emotions that also feels quite a british thing to me for some reason what, the, the British I think people because we're supposed to be like stiff upper lip sort of thing. Re- and, repressed. Yeah, and slightly yeah. repressed. And then uh, Ben and Dan are fumbling their way through teaching this, doing this really important thing that's going to save the world, which is teaching a computer, similarly repressed, if you like, mm-hmm. to the British popular, uh, how to feel. <laughs> no, definitely. It just, just felt very, that felt quite a British angle of humour. It made me think of, I've been playing it fairly recently, Theme Hospital and um, mm. also to a lesser extent Wallace and Gromit which I think are both things that just have that real sense of Britishness to both of them you know, Wallace and Gromit you know the, the, the very first cartoon of Wallace and Gromit a grand day out is where they they want some cheese but the shops are closed it's bank holiday yeah exactly it, everything yeah. about did it did you ever just incidentally did you ever play the Wallace and Gromit adventure game I have the Wallace and Gromit adventure game and actually today mm. when I was playing through this I noticed it on Steam and thought I really should give that a go yeah yeah, it's quite good. Mm. You, you should play it. Off the back of this, maybe. Might work as a good pairing. Well, I've got... Um, there's, it made me feel a bit sad, actually, looking at my Steam library. So there's all the Sam and Matt's games, the, the new ones. There's ah, three series Yeah, that might be them. an even better pairing, actually. And then there's the Tales of Monkey Island. And then there was the Bats the Future game. And then there was Royce and Gromit. Each of these, like, five episodes. And it made me a bit... Oh, no. A bit overwhelmed. All needed playing. Yeah, exactly. All, all to be played. Oh, dear. Oh, you'll have to get on that. So we usually finish off our episodes by talking about who might want to play this. Um, and I, my answer is often, everybody should play this. But that's because I'm a bit of a dictator. I just think everyone should like what I like, don't I? Often. But again, I genuinely think that everybody should play this. Do you want to provide some nuance to, to my answer, maybe? I think, like I said, anyone who grew up playing platform games, anyone who grew up playing adventure games, if you grew up playing both of them like I did, then... This game has you written all over it. If you have a passing interest in either genre, I think this is for you because it just takes the things of those genres and just fine tunes them so well. And I've been mulling it over since playing it today. Did I enjoy the platforming sections more than adventure sections or vice versa? I really can't choose because they both just do it so damn well. Well, it's also semi-inextricable because you, you rely on one another that ben, ben relies on Dan to do things for him yeah. and Dan relies on Ben. And I think that there's a, there's points in the game where the two come together so tightly that you can't really tear them apart. You have to eat. Each one is part and parcel of, of the other and they mm. complement each other very well. And that, again, is probably a feat plenty of people would stumble over yeah. bringing adventure games and platforming together. So, yeah, you want to see something You want to see something impressive. You want to see something that's going to make you laugh, genuinely make you laugh out loud yeah. in ways that I haven't for long enough. So a very good comparison. Okay, so we were talking a few days ago about Taskmaster. Do you remember having that conversation? Yeah, I do. And so Taskmaster, for anybody that isn't british or i think it's on in america isn't it is a game show they showed the first episode in america and then it got pulled because it didn't do very well oh right okay well that's a shame yeah it's a game show in which comedians get uh, come together and they have to take place take part in ludicrous challenges to please the taskmaster who is greg davies uh quite a big british comedian in more ways than one and that it's so funny that that makes me howl. Like, I do proper belly laughs at that. And up until watching Taskmaster, the first series, I hadn't had that same experience from comedy for a long, long time. A long, long time. And there were moments in this game that made me proper belly laugh in the same way that I do when I watch Taskmaster. 
So I can't really say, I can't give it much higher praise than that, to be honest. I really can't. On a humour scale, um, it's as funny as the best stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. I think that's the last thing I want to say on it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you for uh, setting that up with Dan and Ben. And uh, thank you for telling me about the game because I really enjoyed it and I will definitely carry on playing it. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good, good, good. If you want to slide into our DMs, you can come join us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. Please don't slide into our DMs, though. I'll, I'll be honest. I said that because I've I've heard it about. It's you know, talk of the town, word on the street. Um, I don't even know what it means. I, I'm fairly sure that it involves getting your willy out. Oh, don't, so, don't do that then. Yeah, please don't slide into our DMs. Chris doesn't know what he's asking for. I'm sorry, Ashley. I'm really sorry. He's on the verge of being old, so forgive him. <laughs> I thought okay. you could say I'm on the verge of being on a register. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you said it. I think I'm going to cut the episode to end with that. I, I'm on the verge of being on a register. And that, that'll be that. So that's another episode in the can. Thank you to you, Chris. And thank you, if you're listening to, to Dan and to Ben, for, for joining us. We really enjoyed having you. And you're welcome back anytime, as are any other developers or anybody involved in the gaming industry. We'd love to have you on. Uh, you can talk about your games or you can talk about games that you used to love. So, uh, yeah, get in contact. That's definitely not going to bear any fruit. I can tell you now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, see you later. Bye. <laughs>